which means we're recording. We're 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 doing this thing. Oh this boy. is exciting. Oh my god, Justin oh is here. We're Justin Rosniak, aka Do Not Eat, is on this show. Hello, it's me, Justin Rosniak, aka Do Not Eat. I'm on the show. Hooray! Excellent. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, so that, this well, this is exciting. We're um, this is winter, which means I'm gonna wait a minute. I'm gonna normally there's a side by side view, but people are gonna be upset to know that that unfortunately, um, Justin isn't he's not a human as as we as we know humans to be. He is merely a voice and a mind. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of I exist through force of will, like uh, <laughs> Omega from Doctor Who. You know, like the three doctors. If anyone remain uh, remembers that. I'm just throwing in more and more Doctor Who references in yeah, the podcast I've, recently. This is this is good. What, why is it? Because you've like, have you got a subscription to BritBox recently or something? You know, right? I, I know it's I on Netflix, not. isn't I, it? I, I've just had Doctor Who on the mind. <laughs> we all have Doctor Who on the mind occasionally. There was someone. There was a thread recently about Doctor Who, and it was like an, an American's first experience of Doctor Who, and. I forget what Doctor Who looks like if you're not like there are so many bizarre references in every single episode and it's so trippy. It's like phenomenally trippy as it's particularly like the Tom Baker episodes get pretty weird. Uh, yeah. You, you remember there's one where he just murders a guy <laughs> like in cold blood like he just snaps a guy's neck. It's hilarious. <laughs> In any case, this means that um, you have the disbenefit of seeing my face here. Oh, also because it's Christmas, because it is Christmas. Even though what what's, what is it? I don't even know what it what it, I don't even know what the real date is. Given that it's twenty twenty, the time has merged into one. It's nearly it's not even December yet. Every day I'm bruslin. It's uh, yeah, Christmas special, very nice, and also the hat because it is a it's a holiday special, so I have to wear the hat. Uh, I also have Sainsbury's mince pies, so um, there's there's that. Food that should be served all year round. In any case, um, uh, we, we let's press on with the so. Uh, actually, before I do the opening thing, I need to say welcome to tonight's episode rather than just mashing it. So I'm going to do that because it's a very professional outfit. Justin, welcome to tonight's episode, and, and viewers, welcome to tonight's episode of Rail Natter. <laughs> Five fades out. We we go on to a nice picture of um. Well, I'd, Justin, what is this? What is this thing? And why on earth has Wikipedia decided this is the image that represents all railroads in the U.S.? Oh, that's a big diesel locomotive of some kind. It looks relatively modern. I don't know which one it is. It might be like a ES forty four DC or something like that. Uh, big train go fast. Yeah, big train go uh, fast. Although upsettingly, big train go over a, a flat crossing, which um, really upsets me. I, I can wait. I can two can play at the drawing badly with a mouse game, which is uh, <laughs> this. Why is this? Why? Why? Why is it not bridge? Why? Oh, that would cost like ten bucks. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean they do, true. but the investors don't want them to spend it. <laughs> But we are. That needs to go to dividends. Yeah, yeah, that needs to be on dividends. So um, we are. We are not going to be talking about the bad things. Well, maybe a little bit here and there because uh, it happens. Wait a minute. Uh, as you can see, actually, I'm here, and next to me on this side is is uh, is is Justin. Here he is. Yes. Uh, yep. That's me. So that's good. Right um, there. So what? A uniform shade of blue with some wires going through it. 
that's it yeah <laughs> so um we're gonna be tonight we're gonna be talking about uh u.s railroads being good actually because i don't know enough about u.s railroads and in my head is is like oh there are so many problems but actually there's this it's it's a huge network and and freight is a thing that i have in my head as as, as the as the u.s railroads being very good but that's about as far as it goes so i thought you'd be the perfect man to educate me um so uh yeah essentially but before we do that, we have to talk about, uh, well, there's your problem podcast. <laughs> yes, th- this is my podcast that I host with my friends, Liam and Alice, where we talk about engineering disasters. And Gareth has been on twice, and they've both been very good episodes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they were a fun episode, mostly because trains were in them. I mean, you have a huge, they have a huge following. Like, they very rapidly got a huge following. Uh, this this um, so I strongly recommend everyone to go and subscribe on on YouTube. Although I don't know why I'm doing that because let's face it, like I think everyone who watches uh, my show is basically uh, like watches Well There's Your Pro- Podcast as well. There's a lot of excitement in the Discord about this episode happening. I have to say, um, oh, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, it, what, what? Yeah. What? What got you? So you you originally recorded just with Alice, right? And, um... Oh yeah, the first episode was with Alice, and then Liam, who's who was my roommate at the time, got mad that he wasn't included, so we brought him on. <laughs> <laughs> and what what um so what had had you did you know Alice already? Had you had you already sort of um done sort of I, I sort of knew Alice through Twitter, but I think Alice just posted as a joke, hey, I'll do a I'll, I'll do an engineering podcast disaster with Do Not Eat because back then I was still allowed on Twitter. Oh and, yeah. Um, you hung on the Punic yeah. Wars on someone. I know, right? Yeah. And uh, that that person deserved it. Um, <laughs> I have been unfairly wronged by Jack from Twitter, uh, you know. But um, yeah, so you know, sort of as a joke, and then we're like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do a podcast with you. That'd be fun." So we recorded the first episode, which you know was pretty good, and then we recorded a few more episodes, and it continued to be good, and people enjoyed it. So now here we are. 44 episodes in and we're doing pretty good <laughs> it's yeah it's it's become an institution and um and I, yeah i i for one of one of the people who always tunes in and, and catches up i need to catch up on the bonus episodes actually but uh we'll get to that later yeah. in any case we should probably talk about um trains because a lot of people have probably yes. come here to do that or to experience it so first of all justin tell us about railroads in the u.s because this is a map that that looks like there are a lot of railroads in the u.s this is from yeah this is from about 1918 which is sort of the peak of rail mileage in the united states uh railroads have you know shaped the development of the united states since basically the first one started heading out west from new york and philadelphia and baltimore um and i guess sort of portland maine um and, uh, you know, so you had your, your first eastern trunk lines like the Pennsylvania Railroad, the Baltimore and Ohio, the Erie, started to reach the uh, the Ohio River and the Great Lakes. And then after that, after those got built, you know, the Civil War happened. There's some B&O basically gets destroyed and has to be rebuilt. Um, you know, you, you sort of see consolidations of – well, not really consolidations yet, but you start to see these railroads try and expand westward. You know, there'd been this sort of hodgepodge of alphabet soup of railroads west of the Ohio River where, you know, someone would build like, I don't know, the the nowhere in East Armpit Railroad. (laughs) 
Um, and, and there'd be like six of these to get between two minor cities. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Toledo and Cleveland. Someone would have to go in and work it out. And, you know, all these municipalities tried to enforce special conditions in their charters to benefit them advantageously. So, you know, you might have like like Erie, Pennsylvania made sure that when the line from Cleveland to Buffalo ran through, they had to change gauge in Erie. Ugh. And then one, and this was, of course, that that required four railroads because it ran through three states. <laughs> um, and um, one day, the uh, northern two railroads decided to change gauges, and then um, the whole town actually formed an angry mob and ripped up all the tracks after they had changed the gauges. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm like so. Uh, there was a while back. There was. Um, there was this weird thread that appeared that was based off an even older stupid email chain that was about track gauge. And I was moving house. It was the first time Permanent Way went viral and I was not able to tweet like a lunatic about it. But um, <laughs> you probably remember it. And it was the nonsense about like the space shuttle being designed because of the size of a horse's arse. And gauge has nothing to yeah. do with the horse's arse anyway. But um, but like one of the basic failures in it was suggesting that the US had like a, a more far more consolidated track gauge because they'd inherited it inverted commas from 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 england it's like pretty sure there was an insane number of track gauges just as there was in in britain there was an insane number of track gauges in the u.s right yeah i've i've been researching this recently for the next episode of well there's your problem actually uh. about some of the uh some of just the absurd gauges that existed you know standard gauge was Standard gauge wasn't really standard until like the 1900s. Even like your big railroads would lay, would still be laying track to like uh, uh, something like Ohio gauge, which was four foot ten. The Pennsylvania Railroad used four foot nine. Um, some of the Southern railroads used weird gauges. Uh, Erie Railroad used six foot, of course. Um, they changed that over in one day. Wow. I think when they finally decided to change it. Yeah, crikey. I mean, the Great Western did that in the UK. They did, they did like the last big bout from <clears throat> one end to the other of the actual, the final mainline, Brunel's final mainline. They switched it over in a long weekend and it was nuts. Labor was cheap. Hooray. Yeah, exactly. Back in the yeah. day. Boom. And <laughs> um, so, so that's what it looked like in 1918, but by the power of, of magic and, and the internet, um, we can, well, first of all, this is Philadelphia. Yes. Which, which I now feel like I, I feel like I can zoom in on things and know where they are, thanks to Franklin, which is your other series, which we haven't talked about, yes. which is also very we haven't good. talked. Yeah, I also but have I, a YouTube series. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like I, I can zoom in on things and be like, like this bit, this this to me looks familiar because of a Franklin episode. I feel like I know what's going on here, like the hey, dam, get the, 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 the water, the waterworks. Yeah, and where the art museum is now is where the reservoir was. Yeah, yeah, that's which is slightly strange because I didn't really know anything about Philadelphia before. So now I kind of get a feeling, and there's all the docks and the the street and the the nice classical music playing. Is it anyway? Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. But the immediate thing I, I notice here um, is, firstly, a 110 mile an hour railway. That's a, a railroad, rather. That's 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 a thing. Uh, yeah. And also, lots of railroads, like lots of railroads, a huge amount. Oh yeah, and some of those, some of those are like rapid transit. Like uh, I see the L in the subway in there, mm. um, and then you know, but yeah, there's uh, and a lot of that is freight only. Unfortunately, I think only the the 
the one tunnel that runs through Center City is passenger, as is the lines through 30th Street Station. But, you know, a lot of that is freight only, unfortunately, because that's how we do it here in the United States. For better or worse. Well, as we're going to discuss, yeah. there are advantages to that. But if I zoom out, like, there is still a huge... as is, And I suppose it's the same story, right? Like, there are still a huge number of railroads, but it's primarily freight only. And is it lots yeah. of... So is it lots of individual company, like, um, sort of uh, industrially owned bits of railway, or is it largely owned by kind of the big players? What, what, is, what is it kind of... What's it you, like? You have, uh, you have your, like, uh, the vast majority of tracks are owned by a couple of railroads we call the Class 1s. Hmm. So that's CSX, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, um, what's the other ones? Norfolk Southern, Union Pacific, Kansas City Southern. Um, yeah, those are, those are the Class 1s. Some people call Amtrak a Class 1. I guess it technically qualifies, but they don't own it. Um, also, Canadian National and Canadian Pacific are technically American Class 1s, despite being in Canada. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, figures. And one thing, in the map that we showed before as well, there's, there's a very definite east and west to the, to the U.S. Railroad map as well. Oh, yeah. Um, huge density in the in the in the east of the of the country and then less <laughs> uh, less as you get over to the other side. Actually, my geography has been improved massively by obsessively refreshing like the Guardian uh, homepage during the election. So I should know my states better. Now. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I were like, I know states so well now. I know I like I'm starting to get to know like counties really well. Like I know Allegheny County really well now. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's yeah. another story. So, uh, yeah, so there's, there's like quite, yeah, quite a radical difference in density. And you can see, so I presume some of these colored ones that, that the, the good people of Open Railway Map have colored in are some of the ones that are used by, um, if they've got line speed improvements enough that they're showing up in color, I presume it's because they are used by Amtrak. So some of these uh, green... I was going to say that one, that one agglomeration of um, uh, color down there south of Chicago, what is that? Is that that's St. Louis? Mm, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, I think there's like one Amtrak train that goes there each day. Oh, right. So some of these, <laughs> so uh, so in which case that, that, that somewhat two. undermines. That must be. Yeah. So that must be a low. What's this? A Twenty. Yeah. Okay. It's just it, so it's just where people have been unlazy enough to go in and actually enter the uh, the the line speed values. For <laughs> thank you, open communities. We love you. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's that. But so that's yeah. so the map looks pretty dense. However, um, if we whiz back to here. Uh, and look at okay there's the class one railroads actually as you described yeah. there they are bnsf yeah yeah there we are fxe yeah so i don't the, know what fxe is yeah what's FXE? Is that florida east coast hmm. i don't know uh yeah i don't know it seems to be actually that one seems to be like in mexico oh oh okay so that that's that's um Ferromex. I don't even know. I don't know what the Mexican railroads are anymore. They after privatization, everything got confusing. Oh yeah, that I can relate to that. Um, but the ma next map was like the 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 passenger map, and th there are fewer lines on this map. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. and some of those lines run once a day. Some of them run three days a week. In fact, a lot of them run three days a week now, 
because the solution to pandemic, uh, oh my goodness, yeah. uh, the solution to the pandemic, of course, has been to crowd people into fewer trains as opposed to running more of them. Right. That's obvious for something which is transmitted by aerosols. Of course, you want to have fewer trains with more people crammed it's, in. That's ar- a good idea. Yeah, arguably, the higher the human <laughs> density, the higher the number of people per meter squared, the the less likely the disease is to spread. That's definitely the science. Uh, That's absolutely. how it works. Yeah. 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 Oh, talking of which, uh, you, have you recovered from the Rona, or did you end up not getting it from when you were uh, sardine? It, seem, it, it seems like I have not gotten it. Or I had an asymptomatic case. I have drastically curtailed my uh, contact with other people, regardless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those weird things that this year, like, um, I've just not gone anywhere because I've kind of had this like eternal guilt. Like, if I go anywhere, I'm probably going to end up being I'm going to be the dolt who ends up being a super spreader, un- like unwittingly. So I've kind of hidden in my house as much as I possibly can. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, I think a few people have shared that. Others, not so much. I think uh, others yeah. have uh, taken a more uh, enthusiastic approach to go into the pub. Or indeed, actually, horse racing. I remember there was a massive... I was in Birmingham Station. The, the, just the last thing I did, on, it was in Birmingham New Street Station, uh, UK Birmingham. And a load of people in like uh, cheap suits were coming back from the horse racing. And then I saw pictures of the horse racing. And then there was a huge spike of, of, of Rona, uh, of people who'd been at the horse racing. At Cheltenham, I think. Whichever I don't know anything about horse racing. At Cheltenham, and everyone got Rona. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Uh, yeah, Rona's exactly. Bad. Uh, Rona, bad. Don't don't get it. Folks. Don't get it. Do not get it. Anyway, right. So we're going to go through. Right. So we're going to go through a top ten. In fact, it's not a top ten. I think there's like twelve or thirteen things now. Yeah, escalated. I don't think they're in any order either. <laughs> no, this is. It's going to be anarchy and chaos. But things that are good. So we've just had a slightly bleak looking map of reduced passenger services. Um, with quite low frequencies, but it's not it's not all a bad news story. In fact, there are loads of really good things about the U.S. Uh, railroad system. I th- I thought you can tell us about them. So number one, like uh, I have snow because it's a holiday special, right? Snow. Yes. Yeah. It's it's um yeah. Anyway, loading gauge, which is a, a subject close to my heart. Uh, so so yeah, loading gauge. Tell us about tell us about loading gauge with this picture of flying Scotsman in it for for scale. Yeah. Well, uh, loading gauge is sort of like the size of a train that, that can fit on a railroad, right? So you got like the track gauge, which is the distance between the rails. But then you got your loading gauge, which is everything that goes above the rails, right? And you can see you have the flying Scotsman there very, looking very, very tiny next to what appears to be uh, a Canadian national um, – I don't know if that's a mountain or a northern or whatever that is. It's it's um, yeah, it's it's large. It's, it's substantially it's, and almost comedically large, or rather, actually, it's not comedically large. It makes flying Scotsman look comedically small, like like a like it, a model train that's the wrong gauge. Exactly right, and of course, this is a locomotive, so you, you figure it is designed for the smallest loading gauge on the railroad. Mm. Of course, in in the United States and in Canada, loading gauge actually varies a whole bunch. Uh, you know, that's how you can fit like double stack containers on some trains. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same. People often assume there's some uniform gauge everywhere, but like in the UK, it really is not the case. Like really is not the case. And the same in Europe as well. It's obviously huge variation. Um, and so I didn't realize it was, well, I assumed it was probably pretty similar in the US given how many different companies made railroads happen. 
And yeah, it, on older railroads, you'll you'll find like tighter clearances, hmm. and in some places like uh, Penn Station in New York City, you get tighter clearances. But out west, you can just fit these massive trains everywhere. You know, Which, that's why Amtrak is double decker everywhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, in in continuing pictures that illustrate the point. Oh no, this isn't relevant actually. It's just flying Scotsman being hauled by a. Is it a GG1? Is that? It's a GG1, yeah. Yeah, which is an awesome I, train anyway, uh, awesome loco anyway, but it's quite funny seeing it hauling. Uh, weirdly, it does look like it's a rake of Mark One, like British Rail Mark One coaches. I believe for that particular uh, trip, they did ship over a whole rake of Mark One coaches for the uh, <laughs> Flying Scotsman excursions. Um, I think in this case, the GG1 is probably not actually doing any work there. Uh, it's just on the front because there's cab signals in there, oh, uh, which the Flying Scotsman, of course, does not have. And in order to run at speed on the Northeast Corridor, you need cab signals. Yeah. So does that mean that Scotsman's actually pushing the, that hunk of steel? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not... sure that reduced performance just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given that, I, that the loco is probably about the same mass, if not maybe more, than the trailing load. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's a bit weird seeing Mark One coach. I mean, I can only apologize for you having had Mark One coaches when you've got buds going around at the same. Like, yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, I, I imagine the buds were pretty ratty by the Penn Central era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a digression because I'm, I'm trying to avoid too many of these. But this is a picture of uh, W6A, which is the Go Anywhere uh, loading gauge in the UK. Um, or in GB, rather. I don't know what the loading gauge is in Northern Ireland, actually. Anyway, that's a, that's something else. That's another story. W6A. In Europe, they have UIC gauge. There's a UIC gauge, quite a bit bigger. Um, and then you have the uh, the AAR, which is the American Association of Railroads, right? Um, yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's I think that's one of the smaller plates they have. There's there's much taller plates as well. Really? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. so, even, go, so even like going higher. Yeah, that's for stuff like double stack containers and auto racks and stuff like that. Oh crikey! Um, yeah, so um, yeah, you can see a slight difference. I should have overlaid them, but I think you get you kind of get the point. W six A is small, also narrow. Um, yeah, U S is large, which means you can carry it particularly for freight. Okay, for passengers is also great for double deck trains, but for freight, that's good. And we're going to talk about freight, I think, quite a bit in our list of top the, things. The only people who got us beat are the Russians and the Indians. Well. It's to be understood. The Russians always, they were, if they were going to beat, they, they, they didn't get beat, or they didn't beat you to the moon, so they had to beat you on loading gauge, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of feels like they won that overall in that, but I don't know, maybe it depends on what your feelings are on landing on the moon. Uh, so, next thing. <laughs> next yeah, thing. If only Liam were here. Yeah, Liam would, yeah, <laughs> that's tell it. You something. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. Um, he always manages to shout about the moon at me whenever we're on a... Anyway, that's, 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 that's okay. Yeah. I'm not bitter. <laughs> uh, knuckle couplers. <laughs> Talk about knuckle couplers. Um, why are... What, well, firstly, couplers. Okay, here's a picture, an illustrative picture. This is of a knuckle coupler. Yes. Uh, why, why do you like knuckle couplers? Why do you think knuckle couplers are good? So one of the nice things about the knuckle coupler is because there's so much strength in these guys, uh, you can run very, very, very long trains, mm. right? Um, you don't have like a Lincoln pin system where, you know, there's like the, just this like tiny little chain, right? Lincoln cars together. Uh, you have these big, strong things that make a good connection. And that's why you can run a 150, 200 car train. No problem. 
the only thing the only thing which uh, I think is a disadvantage compared to Lincoln pin couplers is uh, something I was reading about today, which was the 1877 railroad strike where uh, workers on the Pennsylvania Railroad took the pins out of the Lincoln pin couplers and used them to beat scabs like their clubs. <laughs> um, that is, so that that is, is one plus point for the, yeah, for the Lincoln there's, pin. There's no pins here that you can, you can do that with. But... <laughs> Yeah, they should have just the Janny. I don't know the person who designed them should have should have just inserted an, a, a redundant pin for um for use against scabs. Uh, it was a, yeah, a, exactly. A, arguably a design <laughs> oversight. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting because so someone out someone on the Twitters posted a, a thread a, a moaning about European uh, standard coupler designs actually because um they're they're kind of good but they're also kind of flimsy. Uh, like there's very little coupling force you can actually put through them and certainly in terms of long freight they're just hopeless um yeah so it's yeah, interesting that you put this in once you got like a long long train i mean the lincoln pin doesn't doesn't necessarily work because if you're trying to pick up the slack over a long train right which i guess for the for the non-experts here the slack in the train is like when the car when you stop the train the cars bunch up and if you got 200 cars or something like that. You will, um, when you start the train up from the front end, you pick up the slack between each car, but you're still accelerating on the front end. So, you know, you might pick up the first car gently, but then over the course of 200 cars and you're picking up speed, the last car might get jerked from zero miles an hour to like six miles an hour instantly. That's why you need these big, strong couplers. Mm. And, uh, and even, yeah, so I, I, yeah, it's, um, even for so so the 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 advanced couplers that we have the Scharfenberger, Scharfenberg couplers that we have. I don't know if you've seen a picture of those. I like they're 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 flimsy. Um, are those uh, are those Lincoln pin or are those the ones with like the cone? They're like it's like the cur the cone. Yeah, wait a minute, I'm going to very very quickly do a snazzy. Yeah, here we are. Uh, let's do this and this and there we go. Oh well, those are definitely better for passenger trains. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, the challenge is that they are they're, they're quite yeah they're just very fiddly and very detailed. They're kind of quite um, they're not hugely robust, uh, which can be problematic. Uh, I think this is the front of an IC three. Anyway, right, I digress somewhat. Uh, so couplers, so that's good for so yeah. I, I don't know I don't know what the standard freight coupling is in the UK actually. I think it's a bit of a mixture. Uh, yeah. And we don't have huge long trains. Like our longest trains are, are sort of, you know, 800 meters maybe uh, is a really long train, um, which you just don't see. Uh, you don't see. Yeah. Which doesn't. It's not quite the same force as like, what, three miles of train. I don't know what the longest three, sort three, of. Three, four. Yeah. Three miles of train sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. That's a long train. So that's so that's, a, that's a good thing. This is such a random list. The next one. No, talking of which, bulk freight. Yeah. So in the background, we have a picture of thanks spencer hughes 2255 we're probably going to get a copyright strike but it'll be fine um <laughs> uh, I, it's fine we've we've accredited uh, suitably and this is a documentary which means that we're, we're definitely not covered that's doesn't how it works anyway this is a bulk mm. train this is a bulk haul train how many locos i mean each of these locos is a beast singly here are yeah, three of them probably probably about four thousand horsepower each at least um <laughs> Yeah, that's an older BNSF uh, BNSF livery, so I assume that's like a Dash Nine or something. I I'm not good at picking these guys out, you know, by eye. 
And then this seems horse... to be grain. <laughs> ah, okay. Ah, which is which is interesting because that's what you actually did mention grain when we were talking about what what you're going to put in. So so we have a trait. So we have enough like tractive effort there to like atomize a cathedral, and then behind it we have yes. some some grain. And you might see more locomotives further on in the train. <laughs> Correct. I mean, it's yeah, it's like so. Th- so so bulk hole. So tell us about bulk hole in the U.S. This is something that, that in the U.K. we've we had some you know coal was a big thing in the uk but that's diminished massively for obvious reasons probably good um but we yeah. we do still have some you know aggregate and stone haulage but not a, oh nice transition um not yeah. uh not as as much in the us like it's mass oh here are the intermediate locos yeah, just as yeah you, said. you need a got two dpus here so you can make sure that you're not you're not picking up the slack too quickly also make sure that since the train is so long if you get the wrong in-train forces on a curve uh, it might just derail for no reason. <laughs> so you stick some more locomotives in the middle and you radio control them so you can reduce those forces. <laughs> ah, interesting. I mean, this thing's still going. It's um. So th- so bulk haul is it like what modal share of of like bulk haulage is there still is there have a lot got moved along interstate or is rail just like massively uh, like most of it's still moved by rail in the U.S. So if if you're looking at commodities like grain, coal, uh, recently back in crude oil, which is, of course is fantastic for the environment, um, what else? Intermodal, you, you run a lot of this cargo in just gigantic, massive unit trains, mm-hmm. like right across the United States. I don't know. You'll go from like Los Angeles to Chicago basically without stopping, maybe a short stop to refuel take on a new crew right but these these trains achieve you know just massive efficiencies through their sheer mm-hmm. size right and then there's there's even smaller unit trains like here 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 on the uh, east coast we have this train called uh q300 and q301 that's a pair of csx manifest trains right and that's on the way up north it hauls bulk oranges from florida bulk oranges Yes. Oh, wow. For the Tropicana Company. Ah. Um, and then on the way south, it hauls garbage from New York City. <laughs> I mean, presumably in the same car, right? Not in the, not in the same car, no. <laughs> um, so it's, so there's, there's just an insane volume of, like, so freight, so rail freight is one is just a massive success, basically, in the U.S. Like, there's, there's no other way of putting it, right? It's, it's a success. Oh, Yeah. Hey, uh, well, unit trains are a success. We'll get into carload freight later, mm. which is like when you're shipping like one boxcar or something. But unit freight trains are just moving an, a, a shitload of stuff every day, mm. constantly. And this is not like something which is really matched anywhere in Europe or like anywhere outside of like, again, Russia and India. Yeah. In terms of just the mode share. Yeah, now, it's one just of the obliterates. Road things, can't even get close, right? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things is if you it depends on how you break it down, um, because if you look at cargo shipped by weight, rail is doing great. If you look at cargo shipped by value, like dollar value, it's not doing so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it depends how you cut your cloth, I suppose. So this, I mean, this is okay. We're watching stuff that is no longer bulk. Uh, well, it's kind of a mixture. This was—I mean, it's still a huge train, but that was, yeah, there's a some, variety of things going on. Yeah, some auto racks in front. I mean, they—what it looks like is they—they they 
found two trains that were going to the same place and they stuck them together, uh, which is fairly common. Um, so, you know, the front half was an intermodal unit and the back half here you have, a, excuse me, the front half was a auto rack unit and the back half is intermodal. Those go together a lot because they're both high value cargoes that need to get where they're going quickly. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. So do you have, um, okay, slight segue, uh, do they have like, um, route prioritization for different, so different, so, so do you have like sort of train classes a bit like they have in the UK in terms of prioritization? Um, so like for this. I suppose I don't even know what the signaling systems look like because I suppose you've got – is it primarily centrally controlled systems for some of these long lines? Because you're not going to have, like, handover with signal boxes anymore, I presume, on these. There's uh, – I mean, there's a variety of signaling systems. Congress mandated they install positive train control about 10 years ago, and all the railroads have refused to do it until they get a uh, a bailout. Um <laughs> So, you know, there's there's like lots of different signaling systems. Basically, every railroad has their own stuff. A lot of it's mm. legacy stuff, too. Okay. Um, there's some whole sections of railroads which, which have fairly high traffic, which are just dark territory. You know, they're <laughs> unsignaled. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, yeah the Wild West, uh, literally, you, and perhaps, you, uh, or metaphorically, and perhaps literally. You'll have different uh, categories of trains, you know, with different – that go at different speeds, but it depends on the company, what they're called. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to what extent is – so in terms of centralization, how much centralization in, or, or, or sort of standardization is there across the U.S. railroad? Does it – given that the, the U.S. is sort of – it is really a collection of lots of disparate – like, um, you know, states – I mean, you know, lots of countryside, you know, otherwise would be countries anywhere else. But in the U.S., it's sort of lots of almost countries combined. Um, like, does that is that continued in terms of the, the way that the railroads operate? Is it hugely decentralized or actually is there a decent amount of standardization um, other than track gauge, obviously? Well, I mean, the Union Pacific is older than a lot of states in the Union. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, I, I, I mean, there, there's enough standardization that, as you can see in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these videos, that locomotives from multiple companies are operating in the same train. Mm. But, you know, the, 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 you got to switch crews at the border of railroads. You got to switch, um, you know, you got to – not everyone's qualified to operate everywhere. I can't just take any train anywhere. I have to, you know, sort of plan it out and think about it. You know, especially stuff like double stack cars or auto racks, which are extra high. You know, mm. there's still low bridges around there where you might just, you know, shear the top off if you're dumb. Yeah. Did you see that <laughs> video that went that went out of it? I think it was an auto. Was it not? No, it wasn't. It was a car transporter actually that yeah, went through a really low rack, bridge. Yeah. It was an auto rack. Yeah. yeah. It got um kind of got minced up. That's uh, mm. yeah. It's a good 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 uh, good example of what gauge clearance uh, doesn't look like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This, I mean, the well, scale is the scale of the the scale is absolutely off the chart. I mean, it's just so much, <laughs> so much. And those guys are moving fast too. Yeah, they're not hanging around. What's the speed? So, so in the UK, you'll you'll see a you'll see container freight moving at seventy five miles an hour. Um, that's about as fast as anything gets. Occasionally, you hear talk of ninety mile an hour potentially getting introduced, but it's it doesn't happen. But actually, stuff goes faster than that even on on some of the on some of the routes in the US. I think. Uh, so you, you, there is a 79 mile an hour rule 
um, across the United States that says you cannot exceed 79 without cab signaling. As a result, that's the pretty much the maximum speed on any freight railroad outside of some parts of the former um, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe, where the uh, that railroad tried to run an extra fast uh, con- uh, unit train, a container train back in the 80s or 70s and 80s which turned out to not make much sense economically. But the infrastructure for it is still there. Uh, Yeah, I mean... It's called the uh, Super C. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, mean, 79 miles an hour is kind of fast enough for a five-mile, you know, three-mile long, potentially five-mile long train, to be honest. Like, that kind of feels like nothing's stopping that. It's like, yeah, that's, um, that's a lot of momentum. In yeah. any case, we've, we've we've exploited Spencer Hughes' hospitality for quite long enough, so let's skip on to the next one, which is uh, oh yeah, which is kind of relevant, which is to the last video, yeah. which is just the scale of the damn thing. Um, tell us about tell us about why the why the scale of the damn thing is such a good thing. And, and while you do that, we're going to put this absolutely stunning photograph up. And one of the nice things that makes the U.S. rail system so efficient is you can ship a whole bunch of crap a very long distance very efficiently just because you you know you pound out the miles over and over and over again for you know just just, just you you might go three four hundred miles on like one crew and you might be hauling I don't know two two hundred cars at this point trains are getting longer right now because of uh, precision scheduled railroading and the fact you can have mid-train helpers and stuff like that um you know th- things are just big and they're getting bigger um and they're not necessarily getting faster but they are getting bigger <laughs> yeah yeah so like the, the scale okay this is the best the finest picture here's here's a, a union pacific well, well, this is all sorts of mixed freight in here, actually. There's all sorts. There's some hoppers, some tanker. That, that actually all looks to be hoppers to me. Oh, is it? So what's... Some... Those, the... are, those are cylindrical hoppers that the uh, the Canadian uh... government uh, built sometime in the 80s, I think. Oh, right. Oh, crikey. Uh, and they all have ads for, like, Alberta and Saskatchewan on them. <laughs> oh, wait. So I just put, have I just basically put three pictures of Canada up? Let me just... Oh no! Well, that's uh, that's Union Pacific, so that's somewhere in the United States. Good. Oh my goodness. Can- Canada's greener than that. So Canada. <laughs> so I managed to put one of Canada in because that's the Canadian yeah. Rockies. But um, this is the U.S. and this. That is, is definitely not Canada, and that is also definitely not Canada. Excellent! Hooray! This is a. I mean, the scale. This picture, I feel, is probably the most magnificent in terms of visualizing scale. This is. I mean, bearing in mind the trains are already huge. This just the scale. I was trying to find one of like. The, the planes with just a railway disappearing off into the distance but um yeah, yeah turns out that um railroad photographers are, are, aren't great at putting their um keyword tags in their images so I, I i was struggling however this is this this picture is awesome um it's just yeah uh mm. it's just the scale yeah as you say scale we've, well, we've just looked at a lot of freight and mm. um, i think we're going to talk about precision scheduled railroading uh in a couple of slides as well yeah, it's it's magnificent. Let's let's bounce yeah. to. Oh, is there anything else you want to say while this picture is up? Uh, all I wanted to say was big train go fast. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, oh, uh, okay. Big talking of big train, domestic local yeah. manufacturing is another thing, uh, or or uh, or it, it was it sort formerly. of was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Until recently. Yeah. How, okay. So tell us. So I'm going to put a picture of a, of a large train, uh, a large locomotive here. It's going to appear right here. I think we've seen quite a few of these already going back and forth. 
this is a train and it's large. Yeah. Tell us and about, is... well, not just this one, but railroad, uh, sorry, locomotive manufacturing generally yeah. in the U.S. Tell us about it. So that's a Dash 9. It's a General Electric product um, made in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, we used to have like two major locomotive manufacturing companies here in the United States. It was uh, the GE Transportation Division, and it was the General Motors Electromotive Division. Um, and then they, they were both kind of – so they were the main competitors – uh, for a while. Um, and then before that we had the American locomotive company, which survived up until I think the late seventies, maybe right. early seventies. Hmm. Um, it, it, it was nice because we had this sort of <coughs> competitive, that's the Rona getting to me. Yeah. I was going to uh, say it's got you, know, you again. Yeah, exactly. We got, we had this sort of competitive, uh, there's enough of a market there that you could sustain two domestic locomotive manufacturers that all these, you know, companies would buy from. You'd have, uh, you know, so it was all American made. Uh, you know, for a while it was like we, we exported locomotives to China. We exported them to the United Kingdom, um, to Europe, everywhere. You know, it was nice. It was like, hey, we make the locomotives for everywhere. You know, your yeah. Class 66 in the UK, that was an EMD product. And then the 2008 financial crisis sort of hit. And, um, you know, once after precision scheduled railroading increased the efficiency of equipment utilization so much, along with lower traffic levels, um, both of these companies basically went bust. Um, and, of course, with the, under the sort of the modern financial system, no one wants to invest in a company that makes a physical product yeah, that doesn't make enough got... money. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was, you know, like... could, could you make us an app? Can you make yeah. a, can you make an app that hauls that much freight? Um, so you know, you just have a uh, ten thousand Uber drivers with like coal in the trunk. I guess that's the that that'll be the new transportation paradigm. I I don't know, but <laughs> it's the future. The future is bright. Uh, yeah, good God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, new, yeah, like the 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 neoliberal paradigm does not like physical things. It likes the yes. physical things to go away. <laughs> yeah. In but any yeah, case, so, we can admire pig iron and and steel. Uh, yes. Yeah. So now, now it's sort of like I think one of them is part of Caterpillar now, um, and then there's a bunch of tiny manufacturers picking up the slack. And it just results right in in. Because the U.S. also has like procurement rules for when for when they are bringing trains, it just means that like a factory gets set up right and people put parts yeah. together, and then the factory closes down and they all lose their jobs. Is that basically what ends up happening now when when new rolling stock is needed in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, I mean it, it really depends on a uh, company being able to set uh, set up in the United States who has enough influence and enough lobbyists to you know, get everyone to start buying their, their crap. Right. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, when, when Hyundai Rotem set up in South Philly to build our new commuter trains here in Philly, they started up, they built the order, they built an order for Denver, they shut down. Um, I think Siemens now has a foothold. They have a plant in Sacramento, I think, mm -hmm. and they've managed to, uh, get the word out that, Hey, here, here's a standardized format so that you can send out a bid that only we can fulfill. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're replacing the, the trains on the uh, 
uh, on the northeast corridor, right? Is that Siemens? On the northeast no, corridor. No, that's Alstom. Uh, Alstom Alstrom did the high-speed train set. Siemens is likely to do the replacement for the Amfleets. Ah, okay, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. And they also got an order for Midwest uh, coaches as well as I think uh, I, I think the California coaches are are being replaced with those as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, they've 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 dug in. Um, <laughs> yeah, which which is a bit it's a bit of a strange. I mean, it's a bit like the that seems similar to the UK where you know all the inter, like the the ubiquitous intercity unit now is the is the Hitachi uh, intercity express train. Which uh, I actually was part of the design team who built the depot for it, but you know, I mean, we we did do building of trains and locomotives quite extensively in in, in GB, and then we didn't because privatization wiped it out, uh, which is great. Uh, and then so now we've yeah. imported it again. So now we've got loads reappearing, and they're reappearing for like not there's not a huge long list of orders for them to fulfil. So it's a little bit weird that we've got like Hitachi obviously got their plan. We've got um, a couple of others that have established kind of very small scales. So Siemens are opening a plant in Goole, and then what is it? We've got uh, a plant opening in Scotland, and then another one in Wales for for Talgo and for um, yeah. It's a bit it's a bit strange. I'm not entirely sure what what their plan is because we don't have like because there's no plan because Britain uh, failed state and all that. Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't know what they're going to build. They're going to appear, build something, and then everyone's going to be made redundant again, and then there'll be some post extra new post-industrial land. Hooray! This is probably the this is the problem with when you you do sort of like a half-assed neoliberalism that still has all this protectionist stuff as well. <laughs> is that like you don't even get the efficiencies that neoliberalism promised? You know, I mean, it'd probably be fine. It'd probably be a lot cheaper if they just made the Siemens locomotives in Germany and shipped them over. But we're not going to do that. Uh, you have to come over here and build a plant and then hire people and then lay them off and then hire them <laughs> yeah. again and then lay them off. You know, you're going to tear down the plant and rebuild it every time. Um, but it's okay because <laughs> the Fed can just keep printing money, you know? <laughs> oh, man. If if only people would just stick to their pure, their pure form of ideology, then everyone would be happier. Uh, I suppose the good thing is we've, neoliberalism, ha, neoliberalism has got rid of the unions, so it, it becomes oh. less inconvenient to, to make everyone redundant and then employ them again five minutes later on worse rates. I dream of being able to pay a skilled machinist two twenty-five an hour plus tips, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. Anyway, so this is a Dash 9. It's a pretty impressive beast, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, oh yeah, it's good looking locomotive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a big locomotive. It, it has a it has glass on one end, on the go end, and then yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, and also you can walk alongside it, which is a fun feature of uh, you know you, how many movies wouldn't exist if you couldn't walk alongside the side of a locomotive in the US. It would just it would wreck. This a genre. is true. Yeah. This is true. Yes, you get a nice front porch. You can go out there get a breeze. Yeah, it's nice. I like the door. It is. I mean, you literally could go out there for your fag break. Just sort of go out with your cigarette. Yeah. Just, you know, enjoy the view. Uh, yeah. yeah, nice. Uh, and someone, then other someone, locomotives. Uh, yells at you. You're like, I'm on Smoko. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drivers passing and just honking the horn, and you just sort of raise your lit cigarette at them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> if you, yeah, I suppose you could climb up on the top and light it on the overheads if you're on a certain on certain parts of the network. Anyway, right. So, yeah. also some weird locomotives. I don't know why I even put these in. I think basically I, I found the picture of the of that elect of that EMD 
uh, with a massive pantograph and then decided that yeah. it was not high enough resolution to justify its own slides. I had to find other pictures too. That's essentially what this slide is about. Um, but uh, as a kid, I, I, so the Santa Fe in the top uh, left-hand corner, actually not yeah. that locomotive, but the, the, that livery is like probably the most iconic for me as a kid because it was in it was in a book I had about trains and it was like, it just looked so amazing and it looked massive and it looked like the sort of thing where you go in it and you travel for out for like days in this amazing train i was captivated by it um it's quite yeah, shiny and that's what you would do i mean that's uh that's an alco pa um it's one of a sort of generational locomotives we'd call cab units um uh and they um so the the, the you know it's uh it's sort of like a, it's a stressed car body right um, that was made by the American Locomotive Company, uh, which made steam locomotives for a while, switched over to diesel ones. Their diesel locomotives were famous for um, running extremely rich. So they basically made as much smoke as a steam locomotive. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a couple, there's still a railroad up in uh, northeast Pennsylvania that uh, runs almost exclusively Alcos. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And then, so what's this white thing next to it? Because it looks, I mean, it's a very odd looking thing. Uh, that was the General General, Motor, General Motors EMDs. Um, I think it was the E50, maybe the E55. I don't remember uh, what the, uh, the, the exact designation. It was a prototype electric locomotive for when it was still uncertain whether we were going to keep electric freight trains going on the Northeast Corridor. Um, so I believe they built two of them and they ran on demonstration runs. And then I think the oil crisis ended ah. and, uh, Con I think by that time it was Conrail Conrail decided, you know, we're just going to run diesel trains. Uh, we, we don't need this electric crap. We're, we're going to run diesel. We got cheap oil again. <laughs> the, the, the oil came along and the electric went bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, ugh. so then there's this, on the on the bottom left hand corner is something weird that we had to Google before the, this episode because, uh, started recording because yeah. um, I it, it's we designed this PowerPoint by committee. Yeah, it was, I, it was, yeah. I also outsourced the list, so <laughs> yeah. This I mean, we we talk we're we're, we're bad leftists in that we were outsourcing yeah. everything. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, no, we're going full neoliberal here. Thatcher yeah, was good, actually. <laughs> Beaching oh, acts the most efficient way to organize anything. Oh, I but... should have got my. I should. I need my QI klaxon on a soundboard. I've yet to get. I've yet to work out how to get drops to work out nicely. But I need a QI klaxon so I can just klaxon things. Anyway, um, yeah. The so so that that very bright and shiny looking yellow thing um, is. Uh... It is a Fairbanks Morse uh, Erie built. It's called Erie built because I believe General Electric uh, did the electrical systems and possibly more than that at Erie, Pennsylvania in their plant. But Fairbanks Morse supplied the uh, car body and also the car body is like the, you know, the, the shape of the locomotive and also the engines. Mm. Um, and of course, Fairbanks Morse is famous for its opposed piston diesels, Ooh. similar to the Deltic. Ah, so, um, so by which we mean, uh, wait, 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 let me draw a bad piston. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a piston there's there's my bad piston and then so rather than having it okay i've done it upside down rather than there being a cylinder head you have another piston right yes 
You got you got two pistons per one bang. A bang, and then the the the, the, the thing goes the bang and up and down. Yes. Yeah. And then you got you got two crankshafts. Now the Deltic, of course, had three crankshafts. Yeah, it kind of did. It did. That's uh, why it's Deltic. I you know, should have done this better, to yeah. be honest. Did that with with more and the the, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Fairbanks Morris only did uh, two of them, and they they made a lot of locomotives of this design. They made a lot of engines of this design. One of the unfortunate things is, is although they made, I think, some of the nicest looking locomotives out there. Uh, including the uh, the train master that's one of my favorite ones um, because they used because these engines were also used in submarines ah. um, and the navy kept breaking those engines most of them were uh, very few made it to preservation most of them got scrapped uh, early on so the navy could get those diesel engines <laughs> the navy have a big budget why can't they buy their own bloody engines what what like the, presumably the, the, like the naval budget's like two orders of magnitude greater than the combined railroad budget. Why can't they just get their own engines? Uh, I mean, because that budget is allocated to stuff like, I don't know, what's the stupidest thing you can think of? That's what they're spending it on. F-22 Raptor. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. What's the second largest air force in the world? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What is the second largest air force in the world? The U.S. Navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. What's the what is the most stupid U.S. I don't know about U.S. stupid military things. Uh, I can think of lots of U.K. military. Th I and mean, in fact, basically list oh. off the largest U.K. military spend, and the things that are at the top of that list are likely to be the most stupid things a military could buy. Uh, I don't know if it applies to the U.S. Uh, maybe. Here, here's a fun one. So the largest consumer of diesel fuel in the world is the U.S. Army. What's the second largest? Is is it the Navy? No, it's the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad. Ah. <laughs> I believe after that is Union Pacific. Oh wow, crikey! Yeah, what? you'd think at some point electrification would make sense. Yeah, you'd, but, you'd think uh, that. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the orders of magnitude here. I mean, having just fairly recently done an episode of of this where we looked at uh, network rail, you know, the 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 infrastructure manager in the uk is just like having be having with its bits and pieces in a, in a vice has been produced probably the most detailed assessment of why electrification is a good idea that humans have ever created uh and and yet politicians are still going yeah, why are we always talking about electrification because you don't do it that's why anyway um having just gone through that document which is already massive and it's only it's like half finished state uh there is, I mean, freight is mental to be pushed around by diesel. It's so inefficient mm -hmm. and expensive and also the, 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 the smell and the noise and also GHG emissions. Well, I, I believe that a lot of the freight railroads now take it as gospel that you can't run uh, double stacks under wires, right? Because it is impossible to build a pantograph tall enough to reach an extra two feet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I refer to the Indian railways uh, who do that. I'm it, pretty sure that's photoshopped. Oh, uh, what? No, is it, I'm, I'm sure there's a video of them doing it. I'm sure there is. I'm going to have to, uh, I, have to I, research it. I know, but if you showed that to a railroad executive, they'd probably tell you it's photoshopped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Oh man, why does everyone hate wiring things? Like it's actually good. It's cheaper. Like by their own rules, it's better. No, batteries oh. are going to save us. It's going to be batteries. Yeah, batteries. What we're going to do is we're going to go depose some South American <laughs> governments and take their lithium. 
and then batteries will create a green revolution. Elon right? Musk is going to shit tweet people in South America. They're going to they're going to they're going to just get so upset they'll leave, and then conveniently some sort of uh, armed U.S. militia will uh, will somehow uh, open a load of uh, lithium mines. Everything will be yes. fine. Yeah. Uh, what's this last shiny looking sort of loco? Do you know anything about that? It's very new and shiny. I think it's I a believe, progress rail train. I I I am pretty sure that's a electromotive diesel F125, Ooh. I think. I'm not sure. Looks it's nice. It's a new Siemens one. I think that was one of the last uh one of the the last passenger locomotive they built before, you know, they just got exploded by neoliberal disinvestment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame because that's a really nice, uh, really nice local. Looks yeah, good. It, it turned out pretty good. I was surprised that thing got any orders because it's been under development since like I don't know the mid two thousands. And then finally, I think MetroLink in uh, Los Angeles bought some, and they finally delivered some, and then you know again the company imploded. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah. So uh, rip. In any case, locomotive. So that was the the rise and fall. So wait a minute, we were supposed to be on an optimistic note. What's the optimistic note from this? That, that well, maybe there isn't one. The, the, it was great, and and now it there's isn't lo- so much. There's lots of interesting small manufacturers now. Um, I don't know that we'll have big locomotives anymore. I don't know who can who's capable of making a big locomotive mm. anymore. Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen when these when when this? So so presumably there's a huge generation of like aging like they're not so bad now they're kind of in like early you know they're kind of in their in their late 30s uh if yeah we're gonna put them in people years but maybe they're like 20 30 years old in uh, and but all they're gonna all go pop at the same time right uh presumably yeah i mean you got a huge amount of power that's in storage right now though just because uh, of uh you know the um uh, the efficiencies which precision scheduled railroading has allowed there's just a lot of locomotives you're not using right now. So I guess what's going to happen is when the current generation goes bust, they'll just bring out the locomotives, which are also from the current generation, from, you know, the strategic reserve. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, it in, the, in the box tunnel. In the box right? tunnel. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, there's not, hopefully there's not too much water damage. And um... I mean, that, I mean we, we joke, but that that's always the fallback plan is the is the is the rubbish plan it's always the actual fallback plan it's the same mm-hmm. with uh yeah i mean i could get off of, we're not going to talk we're not going <laughs> to moan about rolling stock strategy too much because there's an there's a there's there's one of your uh podcast episodes in it frankly um yeah <laughs> right so uh next thing ah okay making classification yards actually work this is a successful thing of u.s railroads for 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 viewers who are watching this on uh in the uk and europe a classification yard i think is basically just a synonym for a for a marshalling yard right uh yes basically yeah classification so, yard railroad yard whatever you want to call it yeah so here is now is this a classification yard yes Excellent. this is at least part of one it's huge. Um, yeah, it's massive because we have so much carload freight here that you still need to run, you know, these big mixed freight trains mm. um, as opposed to units, as opposed to containers. And you need to sort these cars somewhere. So, you know, you have the train that's going to, you have the car that's going to Chicago, you have the car that's going to Cleveland, you have the car that's going to, I don't know, East Armpit uh, <laughs> on the same train. They need to be sent on three separate trains out of the yard. And we're still good at doing that. Hmm. So we got these big, you know, computerized um, 
dwindling in number, but big computerized what's called a hump yard, right? Yeah, yeah. And the idea of a hump yard is, you know, the train comes in, it's got a bunch of cars for all kinds of different destinations. What do you do is you, you shove the cars over a hump, and then a guy decouples the cars as they pass over the hump, or I think now you can do it automatically. Um, they coast down past a sensor that reads sort of a, a tag on the car to figure out where it's supposed to go. And then the switches in front of it align themselves so that the car rolls into the siding it's supposed to go to. And then this, this process is repeated for every car on the train continuously. So, you know, you're sorting this train out into several other trains very quickly, and then the next train comes up and you do it again. Um, See, what's incredible is that this was so hump, hump shunting is a thing in the was a thing in the UK, but we we managed to we, we screwed up so badly so as part of the modernization plan in 1955, which was like a colossal blunder uh, of the railways in, in the UK <clears throat> or in GB rather. Um, we we spent an inordinate amount of money on huge marshalling yards across the country and a huge amount of glamour, and these things were the, supposedly the future except that they they were designed around um, sort of fixed two-axle sort of uh, Hornby wagons, you know, like tiny little, the, the tiny little things from the mid-1800s. Troublesome trucks. Exactly. Yeah. That was, they were designed around that, which means that yeah. within about 10 years, all of them had, had basically entirely closed or been redeveloped into, into buy-to-let housing by Thatcher or whatever. You know, like it, like it was a complete disaster. Uh, what prevented them from being adopted for like bogey cars I or did that just not become a thing I, I presume a couple of factors so I'm, I'm conjecturing massively here firstly I presume that the design uh, so the actual track layout was designed for the wrong type of wagon which meant that to, to get them to work they'd have had to totally rebuild them by which point they were just like ah stuff it we'll just turn it into some sidings maybe and oh. leave the rest of the track to rot um, right, because all of those cars weighed like uh, I don't know, like sixty pounds. Yeah, yeah, they weighed nothing. <laughs> they weighed nothing, and their wheelbase was a so so presumably the track geometry. So if they'd been designed, I mean, given that we shrink wrap everything in the in, in Britain, um, I bet the turnouts were designed too small. The the lengths of the sidings were too small, so they were great for like these tiny little twelve ton short wheelbase things, but pretty. But but then there was that that traffic declined pretty rapidly that declined particularly the private that you, you stopped having lots of individual uh, kind of uh, you know like the the classic thing where you have a big long wagon with lots of different company little little 12 ton things and that declined but the increase in container wagon so intermodal stuff actually it's one of the things that beaching did really well he got intermodal freight working really well in the uk uh, in britain um and that didn't need marshalling yards in the same way so they kind of didn't have a purpose. So they, and, and nothing else came in to fill in behind them. Uh, yeah, so they, they just stopped having a purpose in, in, in the way that, that and also we, we continued subsidizing the, 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 the motorway network kind of expanded and it just, it was a bad time. They were just, it was just a hopeless, it was a bad idea with no strategic plan and cars and HGVs became the thing, lorries became the thing. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Not I mean, we, so good. we were still building big yards until, I think, the 60s. Oh, wow. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I think there were uh, – there may even be a few that are newer than that. I think they're mostly in Canada, though. Mm, okay. Um, so these, yeah, they work. 
Yeah, they were, so so I've I've got another picture of oh no I don't I thought I did oh no yeah. I got rid of it because I have the anyway this uh, that's fine the, the 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 scale is is quite something but also um, I mean it, it, it I mean there there are lots of these they're massive yeah I, I just yeah I'm I'm almost enjoying some of the S and C because you know it's it's me I'm I'm, I'm enjoying some of this uh, nice nice fan fan work here these these switches oh, yeah. are quite long actually it's quite good. Yeah. It's um it it's the only the only thing is like you know it still may take three days for a car to come in the yard and being classified and going out of the yard. Mm. Unfortunately, like as much as it's supposed to be a very fast system, sometimes it isn't. Mm. Um, and then there's a wonderful there, there's this old story of like what happens when these yards go wrong. Um, there was this one yard called Selkirk. It's up in uh, near Albany. And back in the Penn Central era, uh, it was built in the Penn Central era. Um, and it was, uh, you know, Penn Central was a massively dysfunctional railroad, but it built a little bit of new plant and equipment towards its beginning. Um, but they had this one incident where uh, they lost the entire crop of Maine potatoes somewhere in the yard. <laughs> they just lost it. There were a bunch of... There were there were a bunch of boxcars. There's specialized boxcars for the main potato crop, especially. Just right? lost. They have to have they have to be constantly maintained at a certain temperature. They had coal mm. stoves in them. Oh wow! Um, and so they lost the cars in the yard for I think two days, and the stoves went out and all the potatoes froze. Oh my goodness! And, uh, the whole crop of main potatoes that year had to be thrown out. I bet that was and, good for insurance uh, premiums. I, the uh, Maine potato farmers have never shipped by rail since. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a good way to lose your customer. Uh, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> by the power of magic, uh, the, the next picture is, is back. Here it is. This is a smaller yeah. one. So so that, that, that was a uh, – so to get the definitions right, so that's a classification yard, but you don't yeah. count sort of um, – sort of uh what would you yeah. call this then that's uh intermodal that's double stack intermodal and so you... this is definitely a different thing you can't you can't run these through a hump yard no they would make a um, mess but i, I suppose yeah. it's more for the, the nomenclature of the yard so i can get the nomenclature right so you'd call so we'd call this um uh, uh rail freight interchange actually uh is probably the name we'd we'd, we'd call these uh, what do you call when what, the loading? Do you, I mean, do you have a specific name for when you're loading intermodal? Um, what's what would you call that yard? I don't know what you'd call it. You may. Uh, I know some places are called an inland port. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Other places, you know, it's just an intermodal yard. Oh, okay, so um, it's pretty similar. To I think it's it's kind of it's kind of informal. You know. Yeah, yeah. You call it what you call it. Yeah. Um, Call it Jeff. I don't know. Yeah, call it Jeff. Oh, I like, yeah, let's go with Jeff. Yeah. So actually, these—I mean, the scale, we have these in in, in GB, but they—it looks like um, we've got the scale wrong uh, by like a factor of maybe five or, or possibly ten, as ours are really small and this is huge. Um, in if any you case, run, if you run enough double stacks, eventually the clearances will it's adapt true. to the double stacks. You it's, know. Yeah, it's like that. Um, yeah, that that on the episode we were on on our great, the great heck episode of uh, well, there's your. Podcast, uh, there's your problem we, we i'm just thinking of that picture i'm being, being mentally distracted by the image of that that knacked <laughs> the knacked train that tried to get through a uk tunnel 
not yeah. happening. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to talk about the Northeast Corridor next. Number seven. Oh, my yeah. goodness. We'll have an hour and eight minutes. Oh, this is not too bad, actually. By uh, yeah. we're, we're doing fine. Right. What time is it? The... It's five past midnight in the, in the UK right now. Except it isn't because it's what time is it actually? It's uh, it's eight minutes past seven on, on whatever day this goes out. This is going out in January, I think, in 2021. What a year 2020 was, eh? Anyway, the Northeast yeah. Corridor. Tell us about the yes. Northeast Corridor. What's so great about it? Well, the Northeast Corridor is nice because it's electric. It runs through all the major cities. Um, you know, well, all the major cities on the East Coast. Um, we, we do, in fact, have one sig- single sort of high-speed line here in the United States. Mm. Um, I, I say sort of. I mean, we're, we're slowly getting better. They're about to increase some speeds to 160 miles an hour, oh, nice. I think, between Trenton and New Brunswick, which is nice. Otherwise, it is sort of a West Coast main line sort of situation where, you know, there's there's lots of curves. The uh, the speeds aren't that fast, but it works. It it moves a lot of people every mm. day. There's lots of commuter trains on it. It's four track for most of the way. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Not and, all I, of it. There's nasty bottle, bottlenecks in a few spots, but <laughs> yeah. But but the th- but it is as you might describe it a, a more classic sort of Europe. I, I, I don't I don't mean it disparagingly, but it's a bit like if you you look at it and it looks more familiar to like as like a mixed traffic European sort of type of railroad, right? Like it's four yeah. track. It's kind of mixture of different services. You've got fast services uh, running through along with commuter stuff. It's yeah, it's 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 more operationally familiar perhaps to to um, people on this side of the pond. This is a great. I don't know where I got this picture. Actually, I think I got this picture off the Amtrak website. That makes it okay. Uh, yeah, that makes it okay. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really, the government. You can do anything. Exactly. This is a glorious picture. I mean, this is awesome. I, I really want to be in the train going over this bridge with this view. Stunning. Oh, yeah. The Hellgate Bridge is a nice uh, nice view. I think it's one of the prettiest bridges in the United States. Um, very nice view from the train of the New York City skyline as you go through this section. Mm. Um, also handles freight. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Also... Fun fact, if you look in the abutment here, you see these two archways, right? That was supposed to be for trolley lines that would also cross the bridge. Never so happened, here. though. Ah, so these, these, little, these little numbers here. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. That's... I know, right? <laughs> ah, well, boot to that. That would, that would have been excellent. I mean, I don't know exactly know nice, where they'd yeah. have fitted on the actual superstructure of the bridge but uh, uh worry about that later yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually i love the it's, it's just a really nice aesthetic there these um there's this just, it just looks like a fantastic bridge i love the uh the approach viaduct as well it's stunning it looks it looks, it looks yeah. terrific love this oh, yeah. it, goes, it goes right through a bunch of neighborhoods in astoria so you know you take you take the train but you're going over all the houses it's real nice yeah 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 and and it's like a it's like a pointy train too it's like a it's a it's an EMU as well. It looks this looks like a looks like an oh, electric no, it's, it's locomotive hauled. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. It's a locomotive pitiful. at each end. Oh. The new one. I don't even know if the new one is uh, EMU. I think it's not. Oh, really? I don't, I don't that... think anyone's figured that out yet that you can make EMUs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I don't think well. they've been invented here yet. We haven't researched that part of the tech tree. <laughs> okay, you haven't clicked the button. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Well, this time you've you've been you've been working on other bits. It's fine. You've used up all your like RP points on on other stuff. It's it's okay. Um, yeah. So and yeah, it's a it's a proper it's a proper thing. It's so what's quite interesting is that every now and then, um, when I'm doing when I was doing my research for my master's thesis, I was doing it on 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 track on 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 rail failures, and I came up with quite a lot of. 
basically British rail engineers in the later years of British rail and in the early years of, of rail track, sort of the sort of mustachioed uh, sort of British rail weirdos, did quite a lot of work on the Northeast Corridor. And one of the things that we took over was our terrible design for, um, I think, what you call movable frogs, what we call swing nose crossings. Right. Um, and they were dreadful. It's a really dreadful design. And we gave them to you. And I think they might still be running in a few places uh, on, the, on the Northeast Corridor. Hopefully not. Hopefully they've been replaced. But um, so, yeah, you've, you've got some of our junk. I, I, I sincerely apologize. Um, Damn. I, but, I know someone in the Northeast Corridor track dep- uh, department. I could ask her. About yeah, that. <laughs> do it. They, they, were, they were basically what they were. They were from what is now what was known as the RT60 suite that we use in the, that we don't use in the UK anymore or in GB anymore. Because um, basically, for some reason, Britain hates movable frogs. We think they're bad, even though actually they're a really good idea. Um, because they make the bump go away, which is good. You want to make the bump go away? That's a positive thing. In any case, uh, quite a lot of the track, uh, quite a lot of the track came. There were, there were quite a lot of um, BR engineers went over and, and scratched their chins and did some pointing and nodding and, and yeah. scratched things on pencils for um, for the Northeast Corridor engineers. So a um, bit of bit of uh, cross Atlantic collaboration there. It's all good. Your guys in white lab coats meeting our guys in like short sleeve uh, shirts with ties. I mean, you say that, but like the, these, the people I'm thinking of are very much like short sleeve and tie people. Also, I think they'll have been peas uh, in a pod. Uh, yeah, uh, that'll do it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the one thing we do very badly over here is track geometry, especially switch geometry. Re- interest. Uh, well, that's that'll have to be another episode then, because I that yeah. that'll. But we're, we're supposed to be talking about good stuff, right? We are supposed to be talking about good stuff. Yeah, that's a very good point. We'll we'll, we'll save that. <laughs> One thing I've also has been confused by is is why Network Rail decided to make their logo like the Amtrak logo, like the Network Rail logo. I don't know. It's it's it it. it, it. Wait a minute. I'm doing this right now, mid episode, because because that's how much of a professional I am. Uh, right. Here it is. Here it is. The, 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 this this here the Network Rail logo. There it is. It does look like the Amtrak. Logo. Kind of does look like. Why? Why did they nick it? Anyway, never mind. It took me a while to figure out that the Amtrak logo was supposed to be a pair of tracks. Uh, yeah, likewise with the Network Rail logo. I was just thinking, just like I don't know, like sunbeams or uh, a, a yeah. bit of clip. Someone ungrouped a clip art and thought that this bit of it was nice. I don't know. Uh, like that's that's about the level I could imagine. In any case, um, good. That's a good thing. I. It's like yeah. I feel like I can go. Back, I've been not wanting to go to the US for a while because I don't know Trump made me feel like I didn't want to go. Now I kind of want to go now, and and I this is on my high on my list of to dos. In fact, going over this bridge is high on my list of to dos. In any case, uh, the next thing, which is another thing I have no idea about, you're gonna have to tell me about, yeah. which is short lines, lots and lots of them apparently. Short lines are nice. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I mean, they they are a mixed bag. Um, but, you know, okay, so let's say you have a, a section, a track that's uneconomical mm. for, you know, the class one railroads to operate. Um, a lot of times they'll try and abandon it. But luckily, a lot of times these short lines come in and like, well, we can run these. No problem, right? I mean, part of this is for bad reasons. Like the short line doesn't necessarily have to pay as high wages. Uh, you know, they might not be as unionized, you know, so on and so forth. But the railroads are still operated, which is good. And sometimes you can get away from like some of the, you know, really ossified operating practices of the class one railroads. You know, they can act as feeder lines. Sometimes they're bringing freight, you know, end to end. 
and you know sometimes they 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 can operate in ways that the class one railroads do not and they, my big example here is the north red or excuse me the uh Reading Blue Mountain and Northern, mm, which I which I have a picture of here. It's a very yes. random picture that was like the first that appeared, but it has old and new stuff on it. So I thought it was would cover the topic. Oh yeah, it's um so it, it's uh you know this is a uh, this is a short line that operates from Reading to Scranton in Pennsylvania along uh, some of an old Pennsylvania railroad line and. I think there might be another couple of railroads thrown in there for good measure. I'm going to see if I, um, I'm going to see if I can do my geography and find it. Wait a minute, where am I? Uh, I'm, I'm here. Uh, here is you were, Boston. You were close was, before. Closer before. There's New York, which means <laughs> yeah. f- uh, is it, uh, I've, I've, I've screwed it up now. There's Philly. Okay, right. Oh, there's Reading. Yeah. I found Reading. Yeah. There's Reading. So you and sort of go north. North. There we are. Yeah. And, uh, and Port Clinton, Pottsville. Yeah, uh, from Port Clinton, you would continue north to Scranton. To Scranton. Uh, oh, I've gone and got lost. Ah, Scranton. Here's a Scranton. Okay, great. Yeah, here we are. Cool. So, so it's presumably it's the it's the line that connects Reading. Up. So, is it kind of weaving through here? Yeah, it's weaving through. It goes along the uh, Lehigh River. Uh, right. Goes through Jim Thorpe and Port Clinton and uh, mm-hmm. a couple other places. I think they. They, they, they've done like some of the only investment in infrastructure I think any railroad in Pennsylvania has done of its own abolition recently when they put in a switch at Jim Thorpe um, and a bridge. They put in a whole bridge. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's pretty substantial. Yeah. Crikey. Um, so, yeah. So, so it's like – so it's a mixture. So you said it's a mixed operation. So you have some heritage elements and actually some profitable elements, you know, some, some almost sort of uh, contemporary operational elements as well. Yeah, they run one of the only fast freights uh, in America right now, uh, the North uh, North Reading Fast Freight, which will get a car from Scranton to Reading in one day, uh, basically no problem. Um, you know, which is a major feat for railroads. Lots of lots of the Class One railroads, as much as they're good at moving a lot of stuff, they're not good at moving it there on time. Um, hmm. But this is this is sort of a model which basically says, look, we can we can move a whole bunch of stuff and we can get it to you in a timely fashion. Um, Will it catch on? Very, that's the that, that's a good question. I mean, you know, because this this whole concept involves like spending money on stuff, oh. which is you know diff, uh, uh, always always a non-starter because the the Reading and Northern has. Um, uh, Reading Blue Mountain in Northern has has done these incredible things like marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so that's number one. And then it's yeah. like, well, how do we ship our stuff? They're like, oh, we have we own boxcars. <laughs> right, you know, it's just again something I think the class ones have not caught on to. I mean, this concept of buying and owning rail car rail cars for the purpose of transporting things. I think is still kind of alien to them. A, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd laugh, but bearing in mind all of our pretty much all of our rolling stock in in, in Britain is is owned by the banks. Very strangely. Oh, oh God, there was a very there's a very strange ownership situation with a bunch of M-Track rolling stock where it's owned by one of the big cigarette manufacturers. <laughs> I I why? don't recall why. <laughs> 
what the hell? This planet is bizarre. What? A st- what? <laughs> Jeez. At, at some point, someone's going to look back on on this like period of of like hyper capitalism and just just be very confused. It's going to be a really it'll be like the annoying subject that people hate in history because it doesn't make any sense. And the literature was all basically lost in the great solar flare of twenty one hundred or something. So that it's all like all lost I think in emails. It'll be sooner than that. <laughs> yeah, We're true. overdue for a big one. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Bye-bye emails. Anyway, right, so... Ah, uh, oh, this is a good one. The next one you, you said... Actually, this was a definite by-committee uh, suggestion yeah. only because of, of the power of Google. Uh, big stations. <laughs> big station. Big station. Good. I like a nice big station. Here is a picture of probably the most well-known big station in the US, right? Um, yeah, but... I think it was the biggest station in the world by number of platforms, I believe. Yes. And, um, I mean, it is fantastic. I... Again, I've never been to the US, not not once. Uh, it's far away, and I, I the first time I went abroad was when I was a student, so uh, I'm not particularly well-traveled, I'll freely admit this. Uh, my wife has basically dragged me up from being not a well-traveled person to, like, vaguely a bit well-traveled now. Uh, thank you, Dino. In any case, here, here's, here's the Grand Central Station, and it looks it does look... I mean, the concourse is awesome. Grand Central Terminal, actually. Grand Central Station is the subway station. Aha, Grand Central ah, Terminal. Yes. I stand corrected. Um, yes. However, I was today years old when I realized that this 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 station is just a, a pompous ass compared to uh, this place, which is yes. uh, which is I mean, it's not I presume it's My not station. your local station, but it's uh, well, I guess 49th Street is my local station, but uh, I, I'm not going to go there to catch a train to get to here. <laughs> usually, you know, I'm going to take the trolley. Um. This is so this is third. Th- well, wait, wait, wait. Let me get this right. Is it Thirtieth Street? Thirtieth Street, yes. Thirtieth Street Station in Philadelphia, and this yes. is absolutely stunning. I love this it's, so much. It's a very nice station, and unlike Grand Central Terminal, you can get an inner city train from here. Hooray! <laughs> Not just commuter trains. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. So this is from a render. Night- Sorry, go on. Yeah. One of the nice things about a lot of the really grand uh, stations here in the United States is, you know, they, they were really overbuilt when they were built. Um, so it's not like there have been huge modifications to a lot of them to accommodate new trains. Now, a lot of them fell into disrepair really badly in like the 70s and 80s. But important ones came back at very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Something like U- Union Station in Washington, D.C. was almost demolished because people thought the structure was unsalvageable. Oh, my goodness, man. Um, oh. did, did you, didn't did you have like a, Was there a movement then? Was there like a big movement to stop to stop the momentum of getting rid of some of these big stations? Did you have like a Betjeman figure in the U.S. or, or did it just end up sort of happening by, by, cor- by kind of federal laziness? It was sort of so. It was it was sort of a um, reaction to the demolition of Pennsylvania Station yeah, in yeah. New York City, um, which is you know the the Pennsylvania Railroad's main gateway into New York City. Um, what they did is they they demolished the head house, which is this wonderful Greco-Roman space. Um, they replaced it with you know this sort of underground concourse, which they built Madison Square Garden on top of. And this is like this this was the the moment that kicked off sort of uh, the popular historic preservation movement in the United States mm. uh, because it was, such, it was such an incredible building that everyone knew was irreplaceable. But um, the Pennsylvania Railroad wanted to monetize that real estate, and they owned uh, 
a big share in I think the New York Knicks and also um crap. One of the hockey teams. Which one is the Islanders? I think I think it's the Islanders. Not the Islanders. It might be the other one. Um, they owned a cup, a, a share in a bunch of sports teams because they were doing corporate diversification. So, like, well, what if we tear down our Grand ter- uh, Train Terminal and build a sports stadium on top? Ugh. So they did it. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, yeah, that that does not feel still a rat hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ugh. yeah. I mean, much. We're, we're not like. We're not the traditional architecture people. I realize that we're like, hooray, traditional architecture. Want... No, we're not like tradition. We're not the tra- traditional architecture Twitter account. However, yeah. um, there is value in making the place that people arrive to or leave from uh, in a railway system pleasant. There is value to that. And yeah. it, it, it kind of encourages people to, to take the train more, which is also good. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Penn Station's problems uh, still has a lot of circulation problems, and they're all with the uh, none of them were with the original headhouse. It was all at track level, so none of the problems were solved by replacing it with an underground concourse. I mean, that's that is that is the one space where I'll be like the, the traditional architecture guy. Yeah. I think they should build it back exactly as it was. Yeah, wipe out uh, Madison Square Gardens and just put it back exactly as it was. Yeah, that I'd, I'd be up for that. That would not the other side of this equation is. Um, you know where you have a huge train station now for embarrassingly bad train service, hmm. um, which we should we should have put on a slide of Cincinnati Union Terminal here. Um, uh, is it very? Wait a minute, I'm going to get a picture up. Yeah, it's it's a smart a smart idea. That's a good looking station. Um, uh, which one is it? Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati Union Terminal. Union Terminal. I need to stop saying station and start doing terminal. There we are. Oh god! Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's very nice. Here, here is a single picture which I'm going to put up on screen now. Yeah, that's nice. How many trains a day do you think go there? Oh dear, mm, like I don't know, forty. Forty. Yeah, you're optimistic. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very optimistic. Oh gosh, okay, less twenty. Less. Oh, uh, ten. Less. <laughs> how, how? Firstly, how how big is this station? Like, is it? Are we talking? I mean, this looks pretty huge to me. This looks most like of a... it was demolished for an intermodal terminal. At least the platform side. <laughs> oh golly! So we're going less than five. Less. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> uh, two. Yes, two trains three days a week. Oh my goodness me! You know well, when no they get there? No wonder people. Oh my goodness, two trains three days a week. Yeah, you know that's pretty bad. Go, you know when they? You know when they come in? When? It's like two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Stamtrak's most unreliable service, the Cardinal. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Why would you waste? I mean, this station is stunning. I mean, it's it's bonkers. It's it's a, a little bit of um. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is not a small place either. It's a big city. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Why is it? Why? It's it's. Oh dear! Look at it. It's got a dinosaur skeleton in it. What? Yes. Why? Why has <laughs> it got a dinosaur skeleton in it? <laughs> it's a museum. Most of it's a museum now. Ah, okay. Well, there we go. And yeah. okay, there it is. Okay, yeah. Certainly, they've turned it into like a freight terminal now. But this, yeah. the station building, stun- uh, the terminal is stunning. This does not look like a small settlement. 
Oh, yeah. Like, Cincinnati is a big place. It yes. was the densest city in the United States for a while. Um, <laughs> they also have a whole never used subway system in this city. Wait, what? They built the subway system and they ran out of money before they could put it in service. And so it's oh, never been God. used. Please tell me that at least it is being looked after such that at some point they can turn it into that. Well, they put a 40-inch water main in one of the tunnels. Oh, great. Yeah. So that pretty much writes <laughs> off. Ah, fantastic. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. We were supposed to be talking about good things. It's, it's... <laughs> oh, dear. This is a visualization, but it does actually look like this. We're, we're back to the 30th Street. It does look like this. Here is a picture of real people running like around. That. Yes, I, it... I, I use it frequently. Um, well, not as frequently as I used to, but it's a very nice station. Also, uh very nice uh, little Cajun place off to the side called Beck's Cajun Cafe. Mm. You can get this thing called a train wreck. It's like a Cajun cheesesteak, but it has every kind of meat on it. It's wonderful. That sounds like, I mean, something I need to write down and then make happen in my face. That sounds excellent. <laughs> that sounds yes, absolutely awesome. Very, very good. Having had, a, having had a plastic tub of a not unreasonably uh, mediocre Tarkadel for dinner, I am now hungry again. Excellent. Uh, which is not so good at half midnight. Anyway, right, so uh, the next slide is about... Ah, <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. No franchising. <laughs> no franchising. Yes. Um, you, will not have, you will not have to deal with any private corporations while riding the rails here in America, usually. Well, not directly. You will have to deal with them putting you in a siding so an empty coal train can go past <laughs> two hours from now. But <laughs> oh dear, you will you will not have to deal with Richard Branson. You will not have to deal with I don't know first coach whatever it is whoever owns which railroads over there. Uh, the, 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 yeah, most mostly European national operators actually. It's mostly the European state operators. It's their they're like. Uh, money-making brand uh, offshoots that run most of the services in the in uh, GB. Hooray! So like uh, Kialis and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Arriva and um, what's the other one? Uh, oh, uh, Abelio. That's the Dutch one. Yeah. Mm. Yep. The nice thing is Amtrak services are operated by Amtrak. Um, so, you know, you, you, you don't have to worry about and especially if you're in the Northeast Corridor, they also control the tracks. Like it's one, mm. it's one corporate structure that owns everything. Now, out of the Northeast Corridor, of course, they sort of run at the pleasure of the freight railroads. So, you know, you gotta you gotta watch out for those long distance services. Yeah. But in some areas, Amtrak is very good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, it's one of these things where it always feels like untapped potential because actually there's there's so much good railway infrastructure that I'm sure it wouldn't take a huge amount of effort and maybe the odd additional passing loop to, to, to turn quite a lot of these lines rather than being like arriving in Cincinnati at 2 a.m. into actually a reasonably intensive regional service, right? It cannot be a tremendous leap in infrastructure provision to, to, to achieve that. I mean, surely a lot of it is operational and, and about incentives of, of, the, of the freight companies, right? Oh, yeah. A huge amount of this is like operational problems as opposed to actual physical capacity of the infrastructure. Um, and I think one, one of the one of the problems is, of course, just the inherent way freight operates in the United States is that like, you know, trains kind of leave when they need to leave as opposed to operating on a strict schedule. Yep. Um, the freight railroads like to 
you know, try to keep as much scheduled service off the rails as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, which, which is, makes which sense. Is, but it's kind of it's it, it leads to strange situations. Like, uh, so I I grew up in the suburbs of Washington D.C. I used to take the commuter train into school every day, the Virginia Railway Express, hmm. which was eventually taken over by Kialis. So uh, yeah, the non Amtrak services, you still get this European operator problem. Um, yeah, and so you know they would. Uh, their big operational constraint was one bridge that was owned by CSX called the Long Bridge. And they would only allow 40 non-CSX train movements a day across the bridge for any reason. This is a two-track bridge. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, okay. That, that that seems unfair given that, that that bridge probably can carry, I don't know, more trains than that. It could probably carry 40 trains in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So 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 actually, is it the case that I, I know we're digressing slightly? Is it the case that actually uh, federal government almost needs to sort of step in and assert itself a bit? I, I don't know what's the what's the way forward. What what do you see as a solution? Well, I mean, it, it's um. I mean, I think the solution is, you know, I, right now the situation is the the railroads get fined for holding up Amtrak uh, trains, hmm. right? And of course, you know. To a certain extent, when you have a, a train that really needs to be somewhere, sometimes it's worth it to pay the fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's easier so, to stop a it's easier to stop a passenger train than a freight a massive freight train, right? This is also true. Yes, I mean, I think I think a lot of it is ultimately maybe we ought to invest in dedicated passenger infrastructure. You know, just mm. because a lot of the trains that have the largest delays are kind of like the really long distance ones like the empire builder or you know the southwest chief the stuff that runs from chicago to seattle or to los angeles or i think the southern crescent is another one that gets uh big delays that's uh new york city to new orleans and, you know, a lot of this stuff, it doesn't make sense to run it as the only train to these cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, maybe you should have shorter regional services rather than everyone has to rely on this one. Or or the Crescent that runs through Cincinnati, right? You know, that, that maybe it would make a little bit more sense if there was a Cincinnati to Chicago train as mm. opposed to a Chicago to New York train that runs via Cincinnati. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because the distances are so huge in the US. Um, you know, the, the sorts. You know, we, we've the longest trains that we have running are, are our cross country services that run from I don't know, like uh, Aberdeen to Penzance. Maybe is like an example of probably one of the longest ones. And okay, that's that's running like uh, what is that like six hundred kilometers or something like that. I don't know. I don't exactly know, but that that sort of order of magnitude. It's pretty long, uh, long serve you know service. But comparatively, that's pretty short compared to a lot of and that's stopping in loads of places. And also there are four, like in some instances, uh, like, well, three or, or even four an hour at peak time, uh, like an hour. Yeah, and, so, yeah. And you got that. I guess the, there's a big there's big logistical and equipment problems with trying to run a train that takes two days end to end mm. uh, once a day each way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Canadians have it worse. They run the uh, the one um, the one toronto to vancouver train i think takes the better part of a week 
Good um, and they are still trying to run it once a day, but I think Via is going to try and cut that down next year because uh, Via Rail is like, imagine M-Track, but worse. More so, cuts. <laughs> yeah, oh, crikey. So what you basically need is is a bit like my kind of UK utopia, which is you need a load of um, regional and sort of S-train uh, f- services focused on urban hubs and then high-speed yes. rail connecting all the urban hubs, right? That would be the ideal situation, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, one of the nice one of the nice things, of course, is that so much of the United States is so flat. Um, you know, you could you you could even start between city pairs that no one would consider in Europe to be close together. Yeah. Like I don't know, I think Denver to Kansas City is five hundred miles. Yeah. Right, but you're running the train dead straight that whole way, and there's nothing in the way but farms. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you should go for 250. Maybe you should go for 270. Yes, Whatever. sod it. Just go absolutely go crazy. Yeah, go wild. This, if you're going to test, like the, if the French can do it, why can't the yeah. US get just, just start running the trains at, uh, you know, put it all in slab tracks so you don't blow dust at everyone. Uh, and then, uh, boom, run, out, run all your trains at 270 miles an hour. That'd be nice. Or just blow dust at everyone. There's nothing there. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, people often <laughs> people often joke about, like, um, oh, man, we've gone off on a massive segue and we're already, like, yeah. what, an hour and 38, and I'm so sorry, Justin. Um, yeah. we're, like, people, I got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, people often talk in the, uh, in the UK, they're like, oh, boo to high, high speed two, why can't you build, uh, you know, rail next to motorways? It's like, well, motorways in the UK are pretty weavy, actually. They're pretty curvy. Um, the interstates, less so, right? In the US, I kind of feel like that's that is a dedicated infrastructure corridor you probably can make use of for quite long stretches of. Depends on which interstate, but yes. Um, so, like in in the East Coast, where there's terrain, not so not much. Not so much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's more like Europe. Sort of, the East Coast is more yeah. from like it's more European, more hilly, and things in the way, and towns and all sorts. In the West, we have this wonderful thing called the Jefferson Grid, which is how land was plotted out after. Um, the Louisiana Purchase, mm. um, and and basically everything is a one mile grid for you know thousands of miles. Wow! <laughs> and every farm is one mile by one mile square, <laughs> and so you do have these continuous corridors of like two lane road that go for a thousand miles. <laughs> that kind of feels like purpose built transport corridor sort of material. You I've know. been assured. That it's impossible to build high-speed rail in America, though. Well, uh, that's, that's true. I mean, it, yeah, all the evidence <laughs> suggests that, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. We're not even going to mention Caltrain because. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, just come on, come on, folks, just make it happen. Don't, 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 don't. Uh, anyway, right, uh, right. We're gonna we're coming back to freight because freight is coming awesome in freight. the U.S. Yeah, freight so is we're good. Gonna t- talk about carload freight. So number eleven, carload yes. freight. And here, <laughs> I have yes. got this picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have some graffiti. <laughs> we do have some graffiti. The graffiti is another good thing in the United States. Um, that should have been an entry. We should have put that as a number. I, I that was a mistake. Put, just, put, just put that in the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, one of the nice things we have in the United States is carload freight. Right. The um, the idea is, you know. You're not you're not shipping freight in a container. You're not shipping it. You know you you can have rail freight that never goes on a truck. It's just a train from the start to the end, right? 
And this is good because it means there are no trucks on the road at any point. Um, it's more efficient, you know, and you can, you know, a, a railroad car is a lot bigger than a container, right? And this mm -hmm. is largely, largely right now reserved for sort of big bulky items like rolls and newsprint, um, lumber, like, um, a lot of auto parts tra uh, travel this way. It used to be everything, of course, but now it's, you know, more specialized stuff. But there's, um, you know, th this is this is a wonderful way to deliver stuff without having to have a big 53-foot truck, uh, you know, screwing up uh, neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And some places they're even trying to, um, some places you, you, you still have a lot, a lot of freight delivered in urban areas this way keeping mm. trucks off the road we did a whole we did a whole episode on this on uh well there's your problem about uh urban freight systems really um, good episode actually uh because it's something that certainly in the uk it's a problem it's a major pr shortcoming in that we just rely he hugely on trucks right massively yeah. um i'm sure it's a, a, an issue in the us as well but in the uk particularly it's just a real problem and, and and it's also a problem in that we've got a colossal driver shortage like it's it's already chronic so logistically like even if you forget the greenhouse gas emissions and all the children that the hgvs run over like yeah that there aren't going to the, the ability for us to rely entirely on trucks is finite um even just looking at drivers uh, and also this whole thing called like you know the planet being on fire uh that's also a reason to have less trucks so it, it's a real problem but the trouble is all the good space for doing like municipal logistics got turned into uh I don't know what did it get or turned into an Aldi, or uh, yeah, yeah, got turned into uh, apartments, got turned into uh, uh, council housing, then then got sold off to landlords. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like a downhill trajectory. Fine, council housing, good, okay, fair enough, frustrating for them, and then immediately downhill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that so it's a real challenge. So that it was a really interesting episode, actually. Uh, that one, and also deeply frustrating and upsetting when you see how good urban logistics was. <laughs> There's this uh, one image I, I never quite figured out how to find for that episode, which was um, there was some kind of major strike uh, from uh, a gas station attendant strike. Or no, it was a truck driver strike in Detroit. Hmm. And there was one gas station in the city that got its gasoline delivered by rail. <laughs> and it was the only gas station operating in the city. It was sometime in the years of cars just yeah oh my yeah. goodness yeah who's who's laughing now the train wins again yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> nice that is that is awesome um so tell us a little bit about um about uh this this particular graffiti artist of a picture that i believe that well that you, you sent which what yeah. tell us about this um so this is uh so in the United States, there's like a lot of graffiti because cars are left unattended on sidings for a long time. So, you know, someone can come up and do a bunch of graffiti on it, which is nice. Um, unless you're like a old fuddy-duddy boomer, in which case, you know, oh, my God, they're wrecking property, blah, blah, blah. It's, like, it's still a perfectly functional boxcar. <laughs> they're painting it for free. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> One of the things which is interesting is a lot of graffiti artists now have learned that if you don't paint over the reporting marks – Mm. They don't repaint the car until they really have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, this particular one, this is actually a relatively prolific graffiti artist who goes by the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know much about the graffiti community, but uh, he goes by. He he always just paints sluts on the side of the car. He or she, maybe a she as well. Mm. Um, and this is, of course, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the connection not entirely clear, but um, the the graffiti artist they uh, they this is their their thing. Yeah. yeah. This is their thing, yeah. I think they did another car that was um, the guy from The Mask on there, um, and it's uh, it's highly entertaining. I enjoy graffiti. Lots of people get really mad about it. No, those people are you shouldn't you shouldn't interact with those people. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah, I'm all for like I, I love a good bit of. Uh, I mean, all the old coal wagons get a hefty sl- uh, slathering of uh, of graffiti in uh, in GB, but. Yeah, generally we don't have enough stuff that gets graf- it doesn't I don't know it doesn't we have too many high barriers in CCTV cameras. We're uh, you know mildly yeah, and people fast get country. mad at you if you graffiti passenger cars especially. Yeah, it's true. I've noticed tank cars getting it a lot recently. I get a lot of back and crude trains running through uh, Philly here and they uh they've all started getting graffiti on them all of a sudden. <laughs> so my last trip to to the big the big city of London, um I was I was there and somehow all of South London had been graffitied. All of it had been tagged, like all the railways, like all the railway corridors, like a lot of the, a lot of the urban railways in South London, and there are a lot of them, are like in, in cuttings or on bridges with sort of parapets. Everything. Everything had been nice. tagged. And it had happened in like a month. It was incredibly, incredibly impressive logistical operation to get it all done. I was, I was very impressed. Um, yeah. It's good work. I'm just, I'm just amazed at the staying power because I tried to... Um get a, a, a rattle can and just mark off my parking space so people would start parking there. And that 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 paint went away instantly. Yeah. It was just gone. <laughs> just immediately. If, if you're a graffiti artist, um, please contact me so you can mark my parking space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> graffiti here, please. The trouble is you mark the yeah. graffiti here, please, and I'll immediately be washed away, and they just don't know. Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So, ah, right, okay, we're getting into controversial territory now. Um, yes. So uh, there's a video coming up. So the T1 Trust, in a minute, you're going to tell, after this video plays, you're going to tell us about what on earth this means because I'm, I'm sure a lot of my um, majority British viewership will not know what this is because we're, we're, we're imperialists. So here's a video which has sand. This is York Station, actually. Now, what do you Ooh. know about what is in York as a locomotive? And no, not this sausage-machined EMD. There's somewhat, ah, yes. there's somewhat of an irony in in what you're about to witness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's not even the end of it. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a sausage sandwich. Oh, it's the Germans. <laughs> the Germans are coming. The Germans are here. <laughs> They finally did it. Every, everyone, everyone who's uh, every, everyone who's uh, talking about the Blitz spirit right now should hang their heads in shame. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's Mallard getting. That's Mallard, not very much not in steam, getting pushed by a combination of American and, and German traction. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, on that bombshell, we have to bring this pic, this absolutely stunning picture up, and you need to tell us all about this. All right, so this is a Pennsylvania Railroad T1 duplex locomotive, right? 
So one of the problems you had in sort of the very late era of steam was like uh, for a long time, steam locomotives had been something called free steaming, right? That means no matter how high the throttle setting was, you could not run out of steam from the boiler, Hmm. right? So, you know, you made the cylinders bigger so they could use more steam. At some point, you couldn't make those cylinders bigger. Um, So the Pennsylvania Railroad and the Baltimore and Ohio and a couple other railroads uh, decided to experiment with this concept called the duplex, right? And what the duplex is, is it's not an articulated locomotive, like the big boy or something like that. Hmm. This is a rigid frame. It just has an extra pair of cylinders because they're generating so much steam, they can't fit them all into one set. Good grief. Okay, that's yeah. that's some that's some welly. Yeah, so, you know, the and these locomotives, I mean, the first couple they made were just complete failures. Um, <laughs> B&O in particular tried to do the second set of cylinders in reverse, um, which, um, you know, looked... It looked really good, but a bunch of dirt got in the cylinders, you know. Yeah. Um, so the the new configuration was the cylinders both went the same way. So this is uh, <clears throat> this is a four 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 four. Um, oh now, yeah, yeah. Rumor is this was uh, the T one was a production class of locomotives. It went um, it, it, and they were very successful. Their only problems was there were certain curves. Um, east of Pittsburgh, they could not negotiate very well, so they were only used west of Pittsburgh. Um, and they would, I think, maybe west of Harrisburg, actually. Um, and the rumor was these locomotives regularly went faster than the Mallard in service. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, I see. I see where you're coming from. I see where the controversy lies here. So, what you're trying to do is the only thing we have was that. Was that we were making our steam trains go 126 miles an hour when everyone had realized that electricity was a thing? That you're taking you made, it away you from us. You made it go 126 miles an hour once. <laughs> we did manage it once, and, and yeah, and, and this was achieving it regularly in service. But you didn't have a dynamometer, so it doesn't count. It's worse than that. Pennsylvania Railroad had a number of newfangled innovations that were attached to these locomotives. They had cab signaling. They had something called the train phone, which uh, was like a a pre-radio communication device, which worked by electromagnetic induction in telegraph wires adjacent to the track. It was really wild. They had all kinds of high technology in here. What they did not do was install a speedometer. (laughs) (laughs) You, you were expected to gauge the speed from feeling and from occasionally timing uh, the mileposts. Uh, well, there's well, there's your problem. You know, that's the, <laughs> you cannot claim uh, the record if you don't have a speedo in the train. It's... There's lots of anecdotal evidence of uh, <laughs> runs where this locomotive must have been going 120, 130. Some people say 150 miles an hour, what? but of course, no evidence. Um, so what the, what, uh, and all of these were scrapped, unfortunately, all of the Pennsylvania railroads, largest, highest tech locomotives were scrapped because they weren't thought of as historical artifacts. Um, when the railroad dieselized, you know, they weren't like, um, because they kept like this historical collection Mm. at a roundhouse at Northumberland, Pennsylvania, 
which eventually became the Railroad Museum of Pennsylvania in Strasburg. Um, but all of these were scrapped. It's but a- now a bunch of uh, a bunch of idiots have gotten together and they've decided we're going to build a new one. <laughs> Hooray! Absolutely number, love number, those idiots. Yeah, I know. Number 5550 and they were mocked and ridiculed when the project started. And they just got the whole boiler put together a few weeks ago. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> The question is, where on earth are they going to run it? (laughs) That's what I've always been wondering. I understand they have a bunch of uh, they have a bunch of offers uh, for places to run it. I don't know where they they're going to get it up to speed because that is one of the stated goals. Is yeah, we're we're going to beat the mallard. We're we're, going to do it. They're going to. That's it. You're going to take it from us. The the only thing we have, you're going to take it from us. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it looks like a submarine mounted on a like there's, there's there's a lot of steampunk going on there it's quite spectacular oh yeah this is uh this is one of the no this is a production model i thought this was the prototype for a second the prototype uh i think looked a little better but um oh really the raymond lowey styling got a little bit um uh rounded off for the production models ah, okay um, I'll have to get googling for that. That's quite spectacular. Yeah, uh, but not tonight. We shall. I shall. I shall pause it, given that we're uh, rapidly approaching the two-hour mark, and I was oh, yeah. hogging your time before that as well. So we shall. Uh, given that you're about. Given that the we're about to be have our the only thing, good thing that we managed to achieve, other than the NHS in the 20th century, taken from us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here we go. So. Uh, Oh yeah, that, that's it. We are ending on that. That is literally the ending yeah. note of the of the whole yeah. thing. We've you've denied us that and and said that that so the railroads in the U.S. are good. Actually, there are good things. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, this is good things happening. Yeah. Yes. Um. Hopefully, that's been insightful for uh for the for the viewers and listeners. We have people who listen to this as well. Like it's a fundamentally vi- audio visual format, and yet there's quite a like quite a number of people listen to this thing on like Spotify and stuff. It's crazy. I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Like yeah. In any case, same thing we, with my podcast. <laughs> yeah, fundamentally, these are image based. Anyway, but uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who is listening on various uh, audio platforms. All, 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 all are available. Go listen. That possibly, I think some people prefer it to the to the visuals. Maybe it's easier to have it like my dulcet tones sinking into the background. I don't know. Also, uh, supportings of of so the Discord is a thing where lots of discussions happen. Uh, so feel free to go on to it, garethdennis.co.uk slash discord. Um, and also you can throw pennies at me on PayPal. And if you want to support me and also spot, like the people who are currently on the Discord know who I'm currently recording this episode with because they're on the Patreon. It's all very confusing. I didn't set the Patreon up yes. because I didn't, know what it, I didn't know what it was. I didn't set the, no, I didn't, didn't set the Discord up and didn't set Patreon up. And people told me these were good ideas. So I did them. And, uh, all right, people say Discord's a good idea and then I have to moderate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I have a peep, I have a team who moderate mine for me. Uh, although maybe they're going to coup and take it over from me. That could also happen, I suppose. So. Watch out! Watch out for the teenage Maoists. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, maybe that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I did notice. Anyway, so that's there's that. Oh, right, commercials. Justin. Yes, time for my commercial. Mm. Hi, I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the host of Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. Um, we we do a, a podcast every week. 
Um, it's a good long podcast if you get your money's worth. I mean, the amount of money for the free episodes is obviously free. We just did a fun one about five over ones, which are this kind of development in the United States we have where you build one floor of concrete and five floors of wooden apartments on top. Um, and it's all actually really made of oil. It's not really made of wood. Um, it's all plastics, you know. So we, d- we discussed how, how bad this is. Yeah, spoiler alert, it's yeah. bad. Uh, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> no, no. Particularly the pictures where it goes, it all goes very red and spiky. Uh, yes. I think fire is the least of your problems in these buildings. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> At least so far. <laughs> And uh, that's that's not all though, because there are there are also uh, bonuses. Yes, we uh, at time of recording we just released the uh, bonus episode on Group B Rally. This is the one with the fast boxy cars, um, and you get that if you donate at our two dollar Patreon level each month, you get one bonus episode. Uh, and you know, if you think about this, two dollars for I don't know at least an hour and a half of entertainment. That's not so bad, right? It's, right. it's highly, highly good value. It's uh, yes. yeah, and also Group B is all. I, I was, I was pleased. Alice was like alluding to Group B, and I was like, "Are they going to do an episode on Group B?" And then it turned out you're doing an episode on Group B because Group B is like one of my. I'm not allowed to talk about cars much because I'm a big non-car yeah. advocate, but also you can like cars and not think that cars are the solution to all their transport problems. Uh, Group well, B is I mean, awesome. Crucially, I think race car is separate from transportation. Um, particularly you know, a race think, car that, can... particularly when when the the race car is also like a cannonball uh that yeah, yeah that like the the human inside it has barely if any control over i don't think i don't think any of us are advocating for everyone to drive around in group b rally cars all the time <laughs> although that could actually be a, that could be a problem solver as well maybe uh, uh, you would get places quicker assuming you got there um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think greenhouse gas emissions would reduce. Anyway, we, I, I, yes. the, the people would very rapidly, the number of drivers would, would peak and then rapidly fall. Uh, in any um, case, uh, yeah, so go and, go and subscribe to Patreon. Uh, watch, uh, watch these uh, bonus episodes. They're, they're good. They're really good. Yes. Uh, thank you. That, that, was, that was the commercial. So next week, yeah. which isn't next week at all, it's actually the 13th of January. Wait, what does that make this? Does that make this the 10th of January? Is that how this works? I don't know. I've no idea what date this actually is because that's a calendar issue. I don't know anything issue. anymore. 2020 <laughs> is, is just – I've lost track of what time is. Uh, yeah. No, that can't be right. It's the 6th, which means that it's the, the, the 13th. Yeah, so this is the 6th of January that everyone's seeing this. So the 13th of January is going to be about the South Wales Metro. Yes. <laughs> but James Bennett is going to join us and tell us what it is because at the moment I've said very mean things about it. But apparently it's not so bad, so we're going to find out. Uh, is this the gadget is. bond thing? I no no no. That's the Cambridge. That's the Cambridgeshire Autonomous Metro, which uh, oh. is is a failure on all three fronts. It's not. It does. It's not entirely within Cambridgeshire. It isn't autonomous. It explicitly states in its documentation that it isn't autonomous and it isn't a metro. So it's a really well named gadget bond there. Yeah, really good. Sorry. I don't know why things can't just be driverless. Yeah, we, have, yeah, that... we have a whole. We have a whole history of driverless things for like 50 years now no i have to make i have to add a camera on the front you know and and i have to have it running windows xp or some crap yeah Uh, yeah, it's it's running like a neat like some like industrial version of nt that that everyone's lost the manual and the key for uh yeah yeah like the dlr works that's fine 
Like it's actually it's yeah. pretty fun. Like do just, that. Just have some like relays yeah. running the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god, this is not yeah. hard. <laughs> it's not hard. In any case, we're going to thankfully not be talking about this, and hopefully, the South Wales Metro isn't going to be a gadget ban. Uh, we shall yes. find out uh, in this episode. Justin, that's been fantastic. I'm going to bring your. I'm going to bring your. Uh, bring your face back. Here we are. Here it is uh, next yes. to me. There, there it is. Thank you. Hello. Uh, very it's good. Me. You've gone orange for some reason, which is a bit strange. I, I have gone orange. I was blue earlier. It's because I've had I've had uh, a couple beers since we started, so my face <laughs> face has gone all flush. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's the it's the best thing. I've been drinking. Um, actually, I've been drinking two things: Brewdog, which is like my local from where I grew up, which is not bad, but also mm. pretty generic London Camden Pale. So that's that's what I've been drinking. There I was having a Yards IPA over here. Ooh, lovely! That's yeah. nice. Uh, who? So is that like a look? Oh, we, let's not do beer. Oh my god, we could talk about yeah. beer for hours. Let's not. Yeah. Do that. It sounds yards IPA it, sounds it, good. I it is local. That. It's from uh, right on the waterfront in Philly. Oh, mm. lovely! That's nice. Uh, it only remains for me to say thank you so much for joining for this ridiculously long episode. This escalated. Oh, oh. my god, it escalated I, a lot. I, 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 it's unfortunate it happens. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Uh, but hopefully uh, everyone again, watching I'm is not enjoying. doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not doing anything, and, and uh, neither am I. I I'm going to go to bed and have a four-hour sleep, and then get off for work. <laughs> oh okay. dear, um, that's been uh, that's been fantastic. I'm looking forward to the good thing is I don't have to do any editing, so that's great. So I just uh, yes. I, I've, all I can say is thanks and um, uh, cheerio to all the, to all the all the viewers. Hooray! Thank you, cheerio. 